Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey everyone, it's Allie, one of your two girls from Two Girls One Podcast. Thank you so much for clicking on us. That's how that works, right? Um, or tapping. Like yeah. if you want if you're on a phone, you could tap. Unless you Sometimes you could plug a mouse into your phone and then it creates yeah. like a, a cursor. I'm always and asking for someone to tap that. So I'm glad that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they are, you know, I mean, well, nobody has in a while, but now we're talking about multiple things. So um, anyway, a lot has been happening. As you heard, you know, Jen had a baby, we have a new host. And so there's a lot of things going on and we are going to be back very soon with uh, next week. We'll be back next week with a bunch of new episodes. We're really excited. We have some really interesting interviews coming up. Um, and so we thought we would encore our free Britney episode today, because as you may have heard, there's been a lot of updates. So in this original interview, they shared so many crazy facts and I was a little skeptical, you know, I was like, how much of this is real? They're just obsessed with someone's Instagram. I don't know. The wild thing is that Everyone in the Free Britney movement was 100% correct. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) It's so wild. And it's amazing what people on the internet can do when they come together for good. Although I do worry that this is going to fuel other conspiracy theories that aren't true. But anyway. um, Well, what's your take? Do you think think the activism led to progress in the trial? Uh Or was this sort of just, okay, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. Oh, I I think there's like a direct link. I think her followers raised awareness of this issue. She actually finally did testify in front of the court and that audio has been released. And I listened to the whole thing. We're going to share a clip with you in case you haven't heard it. I encourage you to go check it out because it's actually quite wild. Um, But she says she didn't know that she could end it. I don't know. I think there was like, I think that her fans and followers like really had a big impact. She talked about how she was ashamed and felt like she couldn't talk about it. And Mm. maybe that the fans and followers did not have direct impact on the court proceeding, but they gave her the confidence or the awareness to push harder or go through with things. That's my guess. Yeah. And I also think that they gave the world the awareness, right? Mm Because like to some extent, like I think Britney needed public opinion on her side. And I I actually, to be totally honest, I don't know what the final outcome is, but like, mm-hmm. I think it would be very hard for a judge to, <laughs> I, actually, it, I assume it would make headlines. So I guess there's no firm decision yet, but I, I don't yeah, know. Did they just turn the tide where public opinion is really on her side? There was the New York Times documentary. Yeah. Yeah. There have been, there are so many cases where public opinion really matters. And then other cases where it's like, it doesn't matter one fucking right, bit. Right. Cause like legal because precedent is legal this precedent. This is the law. Yeah. So the yeah. judge is like, 
I, it doesn't matter what I think or what people say. The law says this, so I need to uphold the law. Perhaps yeah. there's a legislative thing that needs to happen. I, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. And it's also raising a lot of awareness for disability rights because apparently, yes, I heard that. yeah, apparently a lot of people are under this plan and it's not cool. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, but I was just like, if, I was really blown away. I haven't gone down all the wormholes, but. I, listen, I watched the New York Times documentary before our interview. We had our interview. I listened to the full testimony she gave. And it's really pretty wild. It's wild. And it's wild that her, that her Instagram followers figured this out. So I have a list of other things that her Instagram followers need to figure out. Oh, um, such Climate as. change. Good. Okay. Uh, school shootings. Mm-hmm. And where is my husband? Mm. Yeah, those three. Mm. Those are the main mm. ones. Mm. Yeah. Did Did you have okay. any you wanted to add or uh, to that list? No, yeah. no. I think. Uh, well, I mean, we're going to need hashtags for all of those. So yeah, uh, for sure. Get on for that. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, uh, you heard it here. <laughs> so yeah. So so here is a brief clip from Brittany's testimony. It is pretty wild. And then please enjoy our interview with some of her biggest supporters. I will be honest with you, I haven't been back to court in a long time because I don't think I was heard on any level when I came to court the last time. I brought four sheets of paper in my hands and wrote in length what I had been through the last four months before I came there. The people who did that to me should not be able to walk away so easily. I'll recap. I was on tour in 2018. I was forced to do. My management said if I don't do this tour, I will have to find an attorney and by contract, my own management could sue me if I didn't follow through with the tour. He handed me a sheet of paper as I got off the stage in Vegas and said I had to sign it. It was very threatening and scary. And with the conservatorship, I couldn't even get my own attorney. So out of fear, I went ahead and I did the tour. I led a room of 16 new dancers in rehearsals. It's funny to hear my manager's side of the story. They all said I wasn't participating in rehearsals and I never agreed to take my medication, which my medication is only taken in the mornings, never at rehearsal. They don't even see me. So why are they even claiming that? When I said no to one dance move into rehearsals, um, it was as if I planted a huge bomb. After that, my management and my dancers and my assistant of the new people that were supposed to do the new show all went into a room, shut the door and didn't come out for at least 45 minutes. Ma'am, I'm not here to be anyone's slave. I can say no to a dance move. I was told by my at the time therapist, Dr. Benson, who died, that my manager called him in that moment and told him I wasn't cooperating or following the guidelines in rehearsals. And he also said I wasn't taking my medication, which is so dumb because I've had the same lady every morning for the past eight years give me my same medication and I'm nowhere near these stupid people. It made no sense at all. Three days later, after I said no to Vegas, my therapist sat me down in a room and said he had a million phone calls about how I was not cooperating in rehearsals and I haven't been taking my medication. All of this was a false. He uh, he immediately the next day put me on lithium out of nowhere. He took me off my normal meds I'd been on for five years. And lithium is a very, very strong um, and completely different medication compared to what I was used to. But he put me on that and I felt drunk. I really couldn't even take up for myself. I couldn't even have a conversation with my mom or dad really about anything. I told them I was scared and I, my doctor had me on six different nurses with this new medication, come to my home, stay with me to monitor me on this new medication, which I never wanted to be on to begin with. There were six different nurse, nurses in my homes and they wouldn't let me get in my car to go anywhere for, for a month. 
Not only did my family not do a goddamn thing, my dad was all for it. Anything that happened to me had to be approved by my dad. And my dad only, he acted like he didn't know. That I was told I had to be tested over the Christmas holidays before they sent me away when my kids went home to Louisiana. He was the one who approved all of it. My whole family did nothing. After I did the psych test with this lady, basically saying I had failed the test or whatever, uh, whatever. Um, I'm sorry, Brittany, you have to listen to your doctors. They are planning to send you to a small home in Beverly Hills to do a small rehab program that we're going to make up for you. You're going to pay $60,000 a month for this. I cried on the phone for an hour and he loved every minute of it. The control he had over someone as powerful as me as he loved the control to hurt his own daughter 100,000%. He loved it. I packed my bags and went to that place. I worked seven days a week, no days off, which in California, the only similar thing to this is called sex trafficking, making anyone work, work against their will, taking all their possessions away, credit card, cash, phone, passport card, and placing them in a home where they they work with the people who live with them. They all, they all lived in the house with me, the nurses, the 24-7 security. Um, there, there was one chef that came there and cooked for me um, daily on the, during the weekdays. They watched me changed every day, naked, morning, noon, and night. Um, my body, I had no privacy door for my, um, for my room. I gave eight gals of blood a week. If I didn't do any of my meetings and work from ten, um, eight to six at night, which is 10 hours a day, seven days a week, no days off, I wouldn't be able to see my kids or my boyfriend. I never had a say in my schedule. They always told me I had to do this. And ma'am, I will tell you, Sitting in a chair 10 hours a day, seven days a week, it ain't fun. And especially when you can't walk out the front door. And that's why I'm telling you this again two years later. After I've lied and told the whole world I'm okay and I'm happy, it's a lie. I thought I just maybe I said that enough. Maybe I might become happy because I've been in denial. I've been in shock. I am traumatized. You know, fake it till you make it. But now I'm telling you the truth, okay? I'm not happy. I can't sleep. I'm so angry, it's insane, and I'm depressed. I cry every day, and the reason I'm telling you this is because I don't think how the state of California can have all this written in the court documents from the time I showed up and do absolutely nothing, just hire with my money another person to keep and keep my dad on board. This week's episode of Two Girls, One Podcast is all about... Free Britney! Keep listening to find out how you can download every Britney Spears hit from a variety of questionable websites. Absolutely free. I'm being told that this episode has nothing to do with free MP3s and everything to do with the probate court system. Mm, talk about B-sides. And now here are your podcast hosts, each of whom are not a girl, but not yet a woman, Jennifer Jamula and Allison Goldberg. Wow, that was a relevant clip. That takes me right back to like getting ready for going out in college, like getting dressed in like kind of Britney-esque outfits. I don't know, <laughs> Allie, if you had a similar... Anyway, welcome to 2G1P. <laughs> I'm Jen. I'm Allie. 
And we also have somebody else here. You could hear him laughing. His name's Matt. Hi, Matt. <laughs> I dressed in many Britney-esque outfits in college. And uh, what I'm saying is I can relate. Discord.gg slash 2G1P. That's where you can go if you want to see pics of Matt dressed as Britney Spears. You'll be putting those those pics there, right? Isn't that They're how They're already, already uploaded. Wonderful. We're, we're, we're in. Wonderful. So if you don't know where you are, you somehow stumbled upon this uh, wormhole in your ear, you just don't know what's happening. Uh, This podcast is Two Girls, One Podcast. Allie and I were performers, our performers. We had a show called Blogologues where we performed the internet live on stage using it as our script. Uh, We then went on scripted adventures with people behind the post in a web series called Two Girls, One Show. Basically, we're really into the internet and it led us here to Two Girls, One Podcast where we're talking to people behind communities and phenomena on the internet that we find interesting. And you might have already guessed, today has to do with Britney Spears, but very specifically the free Britney movement. Allie, what, what's going on with all that? So, okay, Britney, uh, when she had that uh, public breakdown that you may recall, like around 2008 or so, she was put into a conservatorship, which basically means that like they, the courts decided she was not able to control her own assets. And her father now controls them, which is like sort of suspicious because he's making a fuck ton of money off of her and wasn't really involved before that. And a lot of her fans have been saying for a long time, if she is so incapable of managing her finances, then how does she manage to do a Vegas residency and the, you know, the amount of work that she's doing? I think people look at performers and think like it's fun and games, but Brittany knows how to work. Yeah, <laughs> she does work it. And also, I think it's very rare, as far as I know, for somebody that young And capable, as far as we know, in the public to have a conservatorship. So there could be, you know, something going on with Britney Spears that none of us know about, which is likely the case. But anyway, this segues to today because we're going to be talking to some activists from the hashtag Free Britney movement, which really came out of all of this, you know, started online and now has become something that's actually translated into the real world, into, you know, real life activism. And Jen, you and I both watched the documentary, which the New York Times documentary, which sidebar New York Times doing a documentary about Britney Spears, uh, you know, mixed feelings on that. But anyway, the, <laughs> the documentary was really interesting, though. What I thought was the most interesting part, which I suppose we'll get into today, is the is it kind of looked at how the discourse around feminism and mental health have both mm. changed and how that has impacted the narrative, right? Mm. So, it, which I thought was really interesting. You know, like in 2008, everyone just loved to be like, Britney's insane, she shaved her head, right? Whereas like the documentary really couches it in that time and place and what it's like to be stalked by the paparazzi. And so perhaps she shaved her head just so people would stop trying to get photos. And then, you know, there was that iconic or iconic, I don't know if that's the right word, but the moment where she like beat up a paparazzi's car with a golf club. Mm-hmm. But when you watch the documentary, you're like, yeah, I'd probably do that too. You know what I mean? like, so it's interesting, you know, it's a much more empathetic look in terms of uh, mental health, but also like the attention she got as a woman. And anyway, so that was really interesting telling. It's, it was also just sort of fascinating in terms of storytelling, like telling the same story in a new way. 
Yeah. So we're going to talk to these folks about how they got involved, what they're doing, um, you know, what their view on all of this is. Uh, just to say right up front that, you know, uh, Britney Spears' father has called the Free Britney movement more of like a conspiracy. <laughs> so, oh, wow. you know, there are multiple sides to this story, just to say, but we want to look at, you know, the, what activism they've been up to and what their view on well, it is. Well, I, I personally think the truth is somewhere in between. Like, I think there's obviously... You know, it, it is weird that she's under this conservatorship when she's so capable, yeah. but also the Free Britney movement. Some of it is people going nuts on her Instagram, like, oh, she posted a photo of a beach and that means she wants out. And it's like, all right, I don't, I don't know about that. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, right, right, so right. a little bit both. And the Free Britney fans uh, listening to this now want to murder me in my sleep. <laughs> I want to back up a little bit, truly for my own education and, and perhaps that of the listeners. I know, I was so shocked that you hadn't heard about this, Matt, only because I think of you as like so tapped into internet culture. I'm so, and Britney culture. <laughs> yeah. As you know. And Britney. But I want to define a conservatorship because I had not heard of this and my uneducated assumption was that this was for children or... No, I think other it's for, folks with I think it's for elderly generally. El- elderly. elderly people uh, you, you who alluded yeah. to it and I was like, wait, is this for elderly folks who need to be managed? And so she was not uh under 18 when this happened. It was it was done because the the, the family or her father or some powers that be uh thought she was not capable of yeah. of managing her fund but who makes that decision a court and and mm-hmm. doesn't if she is a legal adult can't she just say fuck off no you can't like how, how does this happen and i suppose I it's explained it's, in the documentary yeah, i don't know it, well it's pretty confusing i think but yeah i think she can say she doesn't want it anymore but then it has to go to court and in the conservatorship this is the part that's really kind of wild is she is mandated to pay for her father's lawyers. So she, through the conservatorship, so she had to pay fuck tons of money for her father to fight against her interests. It's kind of wild. I mean, but but, going back, but I guess I'm asking at some point in time, she as a legal adult said, yes, I sign up for this. Clearly not knowing the ramifications or not fully forecasting the or ramifications of it Or maybe it was really it needed at that time. Yeah, I, sure. I don't know. And I mean, well, we'll we'll ask our guests, but like, I don't know that uh, because she has siblings and I don't think they've really spoken up either and been like, she needs to get out of this. So mm-hmm. I don't know. And I think there's like so much that we can't possibly know. At the highest level, to me, it sounds like her relationship with her family and her father and siblings is uh, quite toxic. (laughs) Well, oops, you did it again. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, I don't have that one. That was good. That was good, though. You don't need to hit us one more time, Matt. That's fine. (laughs) Yeah. Um, All right. Well, we have so much to talk about with our guests today, but I, let's move to our trivia just to keep we it going. We got to do some trivia, some Britney trivia. I, I have, I have hundreds of Britney trivia questions ready to go, hoping we would finally do an episode. And and here we are. Uh, yeah, that we're sounds talking, right. Yeah, it, it tracks. Uh, we're talking about one of the biggest stars ever, 
ever in the history of popular music, Britney Spears. We all know and love Britney's chart-topping hits when they come on the radio or, of course, your favorite streaming app in the 21st century. But Britney's music has also been used in some unconventional ways. I have three scenarios here where Spears' music is utilized by professionals completely outside the context of enjoying fun music or dancing, etc. One of these is factual. The other two I made up. Which of these Britney use cases is real? A. Toxic is used by neurologists to stimulate the thalamus inside the brain of coma patients. There's something about that riff (laughs) that gets coma patients uh, kicking around. That's choice A. Okay. Choice B, as you mentioned, oops, I did it again, was used to engineer and create the very first MP3 file. That is choice B. Choice C, a variety of Britney's hits are blasted from British Navy ships to scare away Somali pirates. <laughs> Which of these is true? Oh, they're all really good. Usually I just go with my favorite, but it's hard today. Um, <laughs> I mean, my favorite is C, but I don't think that's that can't be it. <laughs> I would like to go with A. Is okay. It, yeah. Ali, I hope I didn't choose your answer. It's because we're guessing the real one, and then he made up two. Okay, correct. That's you're right, going that's for right. the, You're trying to find the real one. All right, I'll diversify and go with B because it can't be C. Can't Jen be C. goes with uh, coma patients. Ali goes with the very first MP3 file. We will find out the correct usage of Britney's music after this commercial break. library visit, which was about an hour. I watched this man stare at photos of Gary Busey and print them off. I do not know what his agenda is, but I have a feeling it could be cult or Illuminati related. Good night! Who who is Gary Busey? <laughs> He's an actor. Oh no, I can picture him. I can picture him now. Gary Busey. That's like, the what's... real question. Yeah. Yeah. 
We'll leave that for you all to ponder while we <laughs> answer the trivia today. <laughs> I just want to wear. I just want to wear a T-shirt that says "Who is Gary Busey?" Question mark. And that's it. No other context or explanation. You are going to start your own conspiracy theory. I have so many good T-shirt Honestly, ideas. Honestly, you, you could throw a rock lately and hit a conspiracy theory. <laughs> <laughs> it's like fishing in a barrel. All right, let's hear that trivia, which should also right. start its own conspiracies. This is this is not well. You know, you know. Sometimes I worry. You know, especially since talking with Bridget, Bridget Todd about disinformation of like, if I make up fake answers to trivia, and we of course say the real answer, and there's always a source, and I, I'm very diligent, but like. What if someone was half listening and then they and then they half remember like, oh yeah, I heard somewhere that toxic is used on coma That's patients. That's how it and happens, then, right? Yeah. Am, am I am I contributing to the problem? Is what I'm asking. Let's mm-hmm. just keep you inserting are, the word. You fake, are the problem. Fake, 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 fake. <laughs> One step yeah, like that. I am on. the problem. Thank yeah. you. Mm-hmm. That is that is correct. Uh, today's trivia is about an unusual professional use of Britney's music. Uh, your choices were A, that toxic is used by neurologists to stimulate the brains of coma patients. Uh, I, I don't. I literally don't have a pen, so I was going to write down who said what, and I forgot who said what. Jen, you went with A? Yes. Okay. Allie, you went with B. I did. That Oops, I Did It Again was used to create the very first MP3 file ever. Nobody chose C, that the British Navy blasts all of Britney's songs to scare away Somali pirates. (laughs) No, that's not true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't pick it because it's not real. (laughs) The correct answer is C, the British Navy. It's definitely real. What? What? Fuck up. How? What? According to a 2013 article in The Guardian, reputable British uh-huh, uh, uh-huh, newspaper uh-huh, and website, uh-huh, of course. Uh-huh. Oops, I did it again. Hit me, baby, one more time. And other Britney songs were used by the British Navy to deter Somali pirates. Uh, this is an excerpt from the article. Merchant naval officer Rachel Owens explains the tactics, quote, her songs were chosen by the security team because they thought the pirates would hate them most. These guys can't stand Western culture or music, making Britney's hits perfect. As soon as the pirates get a blast of Britney, they move on as quickly as they can. No. (laughs) Was that effective? According to the Merchant Marino in the UK, yeah, she's saying that was very effective. I... I I, th- I think I'm going to read a little subtext in here. I believe Somalia is a, a, there's a chunk of Muslim or it's majority Muslim or that these pirates are of that persuasion. And, you know, that the extremist view is that Western or like, you know, a white woman being successful in the West is a no go for that kind of culture. So that so I, I think that has something to do with these pirates being like, ah, Get away from me, Westerners, or whatever, you know? Wow, powerful stuff. My gosh. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> it's My an, goodness. It's, it's like, you're a fucking pirate, but you're like, no, the music is too much. But then I wonder if people on the ships were like, oh, man, we got to play Britney again? It's <laughs> <laughs> fucking Somali pirates, man. Okay. Allie fell for my trap, which mm-hmm. was that... Um, 
we I, I I hope it was on this show we talked about the, the the song that was used to engineer the very first MP3 was Tom's Diner by Suzanne Vega. Mm. I thought that sounded familiar. Yeah, yeah. Because it the especially the beginning of that song is very sparse. It is just her voice, and they used it to test compression algorithms. Because you ever listen to a bad MP3, a shitty MP3? It sounds like it's underwater. It sounds very warbly. Uh-huh. And so, in the early days of low bitrate MP3s, science, computer scientists were like, "We want to make this sound as good as possible, but we want to keep the file size very small. So, what are we going to listen to thousands of times?" All right, well, now you all hate us for singing this song. (laughs) A lot of singing today. Uh, So let's get into our interview. Friends, family, neighbors, everybody out there, we're so excited to have our guests with us today. Please welcome to the show Free Britney activists Kevin Wu and Leanne Simmons. They also run the social account Free Britney LA. Welcome, Kevin and Leanne. Thank you so much for having us. Thanks, Jen. Hey! <laughs> Just say it. Hey! How's it going? All right, so we saw that you guys have a really great timeline on your website of all of the events, so we will leave our listeners to check out the timeline later, but wanted to know if you could just tell us really quickly in your own words, like, what is this hashtag Free Britney thing about? For anyone who lives under a rock, a.k.a. our producer, <laughs> Matthew. Yeah, I, I need to be educated, please. Well, it's, as you said, it's not an easy thing to summarize, um, if I could do my best. Britney Spears, as we all remember, in 2007 and 8 was, you know, right up there in the public. I, you could not avoid her everywhere you looked. Um, and we all remember in 2008, she was placed into a conservatorship. She has been in that conservatorship ever since. Uh, it's been 13 years now. And I actually feel like my answer is really bad and I don't know where I'm going. (laughs) (laughs) You know, nobody knows where anything is going nowadays. You know what I mean? Time doesn't exist. (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) No, it's Um, hard because Free Britney is so hard. We've been struggling how to describe it to two people who live under a rock, you know, for so long. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And now finally people do know what Free Britney is. So we forgot how to summarize. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like, Kevin, I don't want to put you on the spot, but you have like a really succinct summary. Maybe you should take that one. Oh, gosh. Um, What even is it? So the goal of the Free Britney movement is to end the conservatorship of Britney Spears. And as Leanne pointed out, Britney was placed under conservatorship in 2008. Um, We believe it was done under fraudulent pretenses. It was, you know, her team and her family who kind of took advantage of her, of what she was going through at the time, and the corrupt probate court system in order to make it happen. And they sort of relied on the public or the lack of awareness of what conservatorship means to make that happen. So conservatorship basically means you're taking away someone's civil rights and assigning them to someone else. And if you think that sounds like, you know, that's unconscionable, then you'd be right. And the reason that happens is the system was designed for people who are maybe um, most of the time at the end of their life, um, not always, they might be developmentally disabled also. So this system was designed to protect vulnerable people who can't take care of themselves and therefore need um, someone else uh, to take care 
care of them to take care of their life and finances. Britney Spears has proven that she does not need that. No matter what you think about, you know, what what she went through or whatever kind of support you think she needs, um, she has proven that she can take care of herself. She can perform in hundreds of shows, you know, over the past uh, several years. And she's recorded, you know, numerous albums as well. And she has made millions and millions of dollars that she herself does not get to keep. Um, and that is the crux of the, the problem is that this is an injustice that's happening right under our very noses. And the Free Britney movement exists to rectify that. So we were trying to tease out a little bit at the top of the show, but I don't know if either of you have some insight on like, how did this happen in this case? Uh, we, we've seen the the documentary, the New York Times documentary that you were both you know featured in. And I know they like kind of alluded to there's like stuff that we don't know about maybe some mental capacities or things like that. But like, how could this possibly happen? Do you have any insight on that? Well, that is the the golden question. Unfortunately, this is not an uncommon problem. Conservatorship abuse actually affects countless number of people throughout our country. So the LA court system uh, sort of enabled this situation. And there's a lot of cronyism. Uh, you know, a judge picks their favorite court-appointed attorney to represent someone and they hire their own doctors to, you know, make these capacity declarations. And there is a lot that we don't know, absolutely. But implying that Brittany had some sort of mental condition that warranted a conservatorship is very stigmatizing because we mm. all know so many of us suffer with mental illness and function in our day-to-day lives have jobs and, and take care of ourselves. And that alone would not warrant a conservatorship. So, and not to mention the particular kind that Brittany is in, it's a probate conservatorship that is not meant for anyone with mental illness. That would be an LPS conservatorship. So she was never in the right sort of arrangement. And Wait, that what alone. Is probate versus LPS. So LPS is an acronym and I don't, it's boring. I don't even know what the, the letters stand for, but it essentially was created to help those who do need assistance with uh, mental struggles. And the difference, the main difference is an LPS conservatorship every year kind of ends. And it is the burden is on the court to prove that the conservatee still needs a conservatorship. So it's it's sort of it can help you through like a rough time. You know, maybe it could help you if you're struggling in some way to get back on track. And a year later, you'll be kind of back into your normal life. Whereas probate, generally speaking, as Kevin mentioned, it's for someone who is perhaps at near the end of their life, they have a degenerative disease that's going to get worse. They're never going to get better, that sort of thing. Now, those conservatorships are indefinite because generally speaking, if you have you know dementia, you're not going to get better. So you are going to be in it probably for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. So that's the main difference. And in, in a, a probate conservatorship, the burden now falls on the conservatee themselves to prove that they don't need it anymore. So Brittany's in this weird spot where she has to prove to the court now that she is capable of living on her own without this conservatorship conservatorship after 13 years of sort of being stuck in it. And she has tried to do that. Is that right? Yes. You know, we've got evidence that we believe she never wanted to be in this. You know, she there's a handwritten letter where she said she was being lied to and set up. And this wasn't the, the answer. You know, whatever you think Brittany may have needed at that point in time, first of all, it's really none of our business. <laughs> you know what I mean? But this conservatorship was never appropriate for her situation. And a probate mm-hmm. conservatorship just gives the conservator so much power. I mean, it was so easy for them to, you know, put Brittany under conservatorship. It happened in a matter of days. And the burden for her to prove that she needs to get out of it is so high. And so those are just some of the clues that we have. This really is more about the money and control than it is about Brittany's health 
or taking care of her. And just so our listeners have a point of reference, you mentioned the money. And could you just talk a little bit more about like, how is her father, for instance, benefiting from this? How are people benefiting who are involved? Um, So we have access to the public court documents. And we know, for instance, that her net worth hasn't really increased um, since this conservatorship was put in place in 2008. You know, it is estimated at roughly $57 million, which is a lot of money. But if you really look at all of her achievements over the past 13 years, and you add up all the money that she should have made, it really should be a lot more than that. So we get accused of being conspiracy theorists. um, So I don't want to go too far down that rabbit hole. But (laughs) um, just based on what is available publicly, you know, there is something maybe fishy going on. On top of that, um, as was reported by the New York Times, her dad is making 1.5% or was making 1.5% of the gross vet revenue from her Vegas residency. And, you know, she didn't get a say in that because he's her conservator. So even though he might be doing that legally, he has this twisted incentive to keep her working so that he can continue to make money. Which is funny because it's keeping her working while claiming that she's not quite fit to manage herself. Ding, ding, ding. Um, okay, <laughs> That's so, the problem. <laughs> yeah. So, well, there's so many things I want to ask, but let's let's get into how did each of you get involved? How did you find each other? And when did you decide to formalize that, you know, start this website, etc.? Uh, I think we have like, similar stories in terms of how we got involved. I mean, I, I've been a Britney fan since the very beginning of her career. So I've, you know, followed her, you know, ups and downs. And she really made an impact on me um, when I was, you know, a teenager and growing up listening to her. And so, you know, more than just the music, I really cared about her as a person, you know, especially as she was going through all these rough times. So when I learned about um, Free Britney, which um, this was detailed in Framing Britney Spears, the voicemail that Britney's Graham released in early 2019, I learned about that. It clicked for me that, you know, this conservatorship is more restrictive than we thought it was. And the narrative that the team was selling us that maybe it was good for her, like they clicked for us that maybe it really wasn't. And nothing was going to change unless we made a lot of noise. And so that's what inspired me to join. There was a there was a, a rally outside the courthouse at a hearing that was scheduled, you know, shortly after that. And I decided to go down, you know, by myself with a sign and I didn't know anyone else in the movement. And that's how I met everyone else. And we just kept in touch, you know, after after that first rally. Kevin, just quickly for people who aren't familiar with Britney's Graham or what that voicemail was, do you want to just briefly fill people in? Yeah. So at the beginning of 2019, um, Brittany was getting ready to uh, perform in a new Vegas residency. And, you know, there were rehearsal videos. And then very suddenly, her Instagram announced that uh, she was going on break to take care of her father's health. And the residency was canceled. A few months later, and then we, we stopped hearing from her. I should I should add that at the beginning of the conservatorship, you know, when her dad was appointed conservator, you know, anyone who's a Britney fan knows that she does not have a good relationship with her father. So uh, we were suspicious of the conservatorship then already. So when she's canceling this huge residency to take care of her father, I remember thinking that that 
you know, was strange, but I took it at face value until Britney's Graham, which was a podcast run by the comedians um, Tess Barker and Babs Gray. And they were comedically overanalyzing Britney's Instagram. Um, but they received a tip that from an anonymous paralegal that said that basically detailed the abuses that were happening under this conservatorship. He claimed that Brittany was rebelling against it, that she had stopped taking her medication, and that she was expressing um, ideas for the residency. Um, she went out driving. She drove to In-N-Out, and that was a big no-no under the conservatorship. And so because she had broken those rules, her dad punish her by canceling the residency and um, compelling her to check into this mental health facility, you know, against her will. And that's what happened. That's when that's when it clicked for us. Wait, why was In-N-Out a big no-no? Because I think it's delicious. <laughs> no, I mean, that's a good point. I think I think they sort of put up this facade for so many years that, you know, Brittany was thriving under this conservatorship. But in reality, um, she has the rights of a child. You know, she has to ask everyone for permission. So I think that's when it clicked for all of us that, hey, she's had to ask permission to do all these things like driving the in and out. I mean, that's crazy. That's... Wait, wait, wait. But but I'm I'm confused how you how you guys know that she needed to ask for permission to go to in and out. It's the driving. I think that's what the yeah. uh, that's what the anonymous paralegal claimed. Oh, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Yeah. And so and so when that information leaked, I know at the time, you know, there was there were a lot of questions about whether or not what he said was true. And I think since then, the team never directly contradicted his claims. And so you know, it's been two years now and. Everything that's happened has been consistent with what he uh, was telling us. Would you say that voicemail is when this moved from a bit of a fringe movement to really a mainstream discussion? Absolutely. Yes. So the Free Britney movement first kind of tried to start, I would say, as early as the beginning of the conservatorship. By 2008-9, people were talking about it and uh, like online and Britney communities that this seemed too restrictive and people wanted to free her. A very big message board, a, a website that was being run called Breathe Heavy, which is the biggest Britney fan site back in 2009, was threatened with a lawsuit from Jamie Spears, called up the, the owner of the website and was like, you got to stop saying free Britney. You know, we're going to take down, we're going to sue you and take down your website and all of these threats and sort of intimidated everyone into not talking about this anymore. So it's something that's been on people's minds for a lot of years, but that voicemail was what really kind of encouraged everyone to start speaking up louder without being as scared as we were 10, 12 years ago. And what role did the hashtag play in the growth of the movement? No, that that was the moment that when Free Britney, the movement became a hashtag. And mm -hmm. that was, I would say, the first big wave of um, fans realizing that they could, that we could mobilize on social media because back when the conservatorship started, um, social media, you know, was it in its infancy. And so I think that played a big role in the spread of the movement. Uh, so that's really interesting. I didn't know any of that about uh, Breathe Heavy and, and all of that. So where else have supporters been convening online? Um, good question. I, <laughs> um, a lot. I mean, like I said, this is largely um, social media had a big role in the spread of the movement. So, you know, we have Instagram accounts to promote, you know, the news and, you know, theories about what's going on. Yeah, a lot, lots of it happens online. And then every... 
every time Britney has a court hearing, we'll rally outside the courthouse. And, you know, that's when supporters can show up and we can meet each other in person as well. Mm -hmm. And have you witnessed those in-person events really growing? Oh, yes. Um, They've just continued to grow. Every time I think that the movement is losing steam, something happens and, you know, it it just um, spreads even further. Um, I think the last rally we had at least 100 people um, during Mm -hmm. a pandemic. (laughs) Yeah. 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 We've expanded now. You know, it was always in L.A., outside Stanley Moss Courthouse. That's where Britney's conservatorship is is held. We now have them on different continents and different countries. I mean, the Argentina and France and, you know, New York across our country, there are rallies now in multiple places on that same day. So it's it's nice because the people who can't physically get here to LA in the middle of a pandemic can still show their support and get out there and, and make noise in their own cities. So something that we found really interesting when we watched the documentary is that it really kind of positioned it as though Me Too and you know feminist discourse and conversations around mental health, that these things have really changed the narrative. So I was wondering if you had any thoughts on that, on how, you know, time has actually been favorable to Britney Spears. Uh, you know, it's just really interesting. I remember in 2008 that it was just kind of positioned as like, freak show mental health, you know, freak show breakdown. And there was like no empathy around it. So I was just wondering if you had any thoughts on how conversations around feminism and mental health have changed the situation for Britney Spears. I certainly think that has played a huge role. Obviously, part of my personal struggles with being a Britney fan and supporter is that I felt like she was always the butt of the joke and I didn't understand why. Why is it okay to mock this woman the way people are doing so? Uh, It just always felt like she received an unfair amount of hate compared to others. And to see it now, I, it still has an effect on the way some people look at Britney. You know, we're still dealing with people who may not have seen the New York Times documentary or who are still misinformed about mental health conditions and things and are still saying, oh, but she was crazy and, and have sort of written her off. So as far as we have come in 13 years, I do think we still have a long way to go in that realm. And something mm-hmm. I've always said Um, always believed is that this conservatorship would not have gone as long as it has if Britney were a man. I think part of what contributed to the public acceptance of this conservatorship is that she was, you know, a woman who the public had very strong opinions about um, how she should be behaving. And so they were very quick to accept that this team of men would kind of swoop down and and impose what her behavior should be. Yeah, I mean, that's what every woman needs, right? You got to transfer ownership (laughs) from the father to the husband. Yeah. Oh, God. So, so what's what's happened since the documentary came out? Do you think the, the framing Britney Spears doc has it has it helped the movement? Has it hurt the movement? I just know that I'm seeing a lot more free Britney across my social media overall, and perhaps that's a good thing. So, just curious on yeah how how it's affected the movement. You think it's absolutely uh, boosted momentum, and it's got a lot of people talking about Britney and this conservatorship, people who knew nothing about her or were, you know, people will be happy to tell you right now, I've never been a Britney fan, but I feel for her. You know, it it sort of changed that and and provided some public empathy for Britney and the fact that she was a human being back then when the whole world was mocking her. She wasn't just this pop superstar. You know, she was a mother and a daughter and, and just a woman, a human. So 
I think that the general public is starting to feel for Brittany a little bit more and want to be aware of what's happening in her situation. I personally did not expect this much attention on the documentary, you know, and, and we've talked to several other filmmakers and different, you know, everyone wants to talk about this in the moment. So we hoped and prayed it would be this big, but to see the sort of international attention on the documentary was a shock. This was only supposed to be a U.S. release. You know, this is the sixth episode in this New York Times Presents series. And I think it really just kind of blew everyone away and has since grown to be commissioned in, in other countries all over the world. So I am so grateful for it. And we still, you know, two months later, I, you know, my neighbor stopped me yesterday and was like, oh my gosh, I saw you on the Britney documentary. You know, <laughs> people are still just finding out about it and, you know, it's on their watch list and they'll get to it. So I think it's a really great tool for us to use to help educate people about what has happened with Britney. And have there been any developments since then that people don't know about? Because you know, the documentary didn't have them. I, mean, I think because it was introducing the general public to Britney's story, um, they didn't have time to go into all the details of the specifics of Britney's case. You know, like, for example, mm-hmm. one thing that the movement felt like the documentary left out is that Britney's dad's business manager, Lou Taylor, was um, really instrumental in orchestrating this conservatorship. And so just her her and her company's role in the conservatorship was, you know, completely left out of the film. And so what's going on in court has a lot to do with, you know, removing, not only removing her dad, Jamie, but also removing her influence and, you know, uh, as business manager. Um, Since then, uh, um, since the documentary has come out, unfortunately, there haven't been that many changes to the case. Um, Jamie Spears is still conservator of the estate and Brittany and her court-appointed attorney, Sam Ingham, are still fighting to remove him. And we're hoping that the attention on the case will mobilize the public to not only pressure the you know, everyone involved in this case to terminate the conservatorship completely, but also reform the probate court system so that this doesn't happen to anyone else. That is exactly where you are blowing my mind because my my big questions were around the court stuff because it's not hard to understand the father or the family or the business manager's motivations. It's very clear what's happening there. That is not shocking. But it's like you as the conservatee have to prove that you no longer need this, that you said earlier, the burden of proof is on that person. And for whatever reason, legally or otherwise, the judiciary is not seeing that she doesn't need it anymore. It it made me think about a person who, uh, or you were defining the different categories of people, and I'm thinking about substance abuse, of like someone who is addicted to drugs or alcohol, who cannot manage their life, but that hopefully has an end point. And at some point you become sober or whatever, and then you take control of your life again. And that should be very clear cut and easily provable from a legal standpoint. And yet Britney Spears, who generates millions in revenue from her from her job, can't seem to prove to a court. So I guess I'm saying like activism can matter here, but at the end of the day, we need a law changed or a judiciary thing changed and how does that happen do we need congress involved like what how do we how do we get there those are excellent questions and it is crazy that with as much public attention there is on this case that that 
so little has changed, but I will say there there is hope. Um, so right now there are actually several bills, you know, that were introduced to um, the California legislature because of Britney's case. Um, you know, mm-hmm. the assembly member and the senator who introduced those bills, you know, directly referenced Britney's case when talking about the bills. And so hopefully, you know, those will improve things um, for conservatives. Or right, let me step back for a second. Um, just at a higher level, we need politicians um, paying mm-hmm. attention to this. So mm-hmm. whether that means um, the attorney general who can investigate cases of conservatorship abuse, whether it means the board of supervisors, you know, who oversees the court appointed, the system um, of appointing uh, attorneys to the court, you know, they have a conflict of interest, or it means the legislature who can change laws. We need all levels of government paying attention to this issue and doing what they can in Instead of just, you know, kicking the ball to someone else, which is what's happened for way too long. Right. And also that this issue must affect thousands of other people. And so the Spears case is obviously the figurehead and the flashpoint of awareness because it's a famous person, but that we need judicial reform sounds like at at the state level, uh, you know, this seems to be a California thing, at least in her case, but perhaps nationally, because uh, that it is an abusive construct. Uh, That's that's a deeper issue than, you know, I I guess I assume you get blowback back from the public or people of like, boo-hoo, Britney Spears, she's a millionaire, who ca- you know, who cares? But like, perhaps we can convince people that, no, no, like this, this is an abusive structure that affects lots of people. Here's how it played out in a, in a high profile case. Exactly. This can happen to anyone. And if it happens to a rich, white, straight, blonde mm-hmm. pop star in front mm-hmm. of our eyes. Imagine what's happening to the elderly person down the street or someone go. who might be disabled. People are being taken advantage of solely for money. I believe there's a new comedy out about a woman that just takes advantage of old people. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Is that a really <laughs> no. is that a, a fun interjection? It's on Netflix. Sounds fun. Anyway, um, right. but I have a question. Why do you think that her siblings haven't stepped up? to help with this, right? Because there isn't really much from them about it. Um, I think that's a, sorry, that's a, it, uh, it's a complicated answer. Um, I think that there, there are millions of dollars at stake. Uh, everyone close to Britney Spears is probably under some sort of uh, legal contract um, to not say something about conservatorship. Now, whether that means they themselves um, want it to keep going or that they're afraid of you know, legal action taken against them. Fans are, you know, very divided about not just her siblings, but, you know, how what anyone in her inner circle really truly believes. That was really messy. Did that make any sense? I can Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, 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 totally. I feel like when I was, you know, researching for this episode, I feel like I read something from her sister that was like, the Free Britney movement needs to stop. Like, where were all of you in 2008 when she really needed help? Or I don't know. But I was just reading that they haven't really stepped up and said anything against it, which is interesting. But I hadn't considered that maybe they were legally bound not to. And I think there's a little bit of a, you know, we all know family dynamics are messy for all of us. And I always think back to where this family came from. They've got these kind of deep-rooted Southern beliefs, uh, specifically, I think, Jamie Spears with the whole patriarchy type, you know, I'm the dad, I'm going to take care of my daughter type Mm -hmm. deal. And I do wonder if that has influence over the siblings and they all just sort of fall in line with 
this is the way we, our family runs. Dad takes care of things. We don't have a right to say something. Again, I, I try not to speculate too much yeah. on it, but I think that there is a lot at play here as to why they might not feel comfortable speaking up. And what do you guys think of Brittany's response to the documentary? <laughs> um, I, I, will, I will say I don't think we've heard a response from Brittany. I don't believe that the response we were supposed to believe from a week ago, you know, that was posted on our Instagram. I personally don't think that those were Brittany's words um, or that they may have been taken out of context if they were. I believe in my heart that Brittany, if she's seen the documentary, she supports it. If she hasn't, I think she knows in her heart that this movement is fighting for her. And I just choose to believe that. And that's what keeps me going. Yeah, yeah. that's all I'll say about that. <laughs> For anybody who doesn't know, she posted on her Instagram something about cry crying for two weeks. But also just to say it could be tears of joy. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And and when we say, you know, we choose to believe what she's, you know, feeling, it doesn't mean that we're just making it up. I think that we've gotten clues that um she supports us. You know, she has said through her lawyer that she supports us. And I think that we haven't gotten a clear you know, like a, like an Instagram live, for instance, like, you know, then we would know for sure that that is what she believes. But, you know, there yeah. are so many doubts about who's actually writing these captions that it is interesting that no one's tried to really clear that up. So we have one more question for you. Um, Ali and I both watched the documentary and, you know, there's this big push to leave Britney alone, as they say. So even though th the movement is to support her, we are just curious to hear your thoughts on like, in some way, is it not leaving her alone? <laughs> like, I, I guess just your thoughts around like the value of bringing this, this kind of publicity to it in terms of how it affects her. Well, I do want to point out that that is twisting the original meaning of the yes. phrase because, because <laughs> when Chris Crocker said, leave Britney alone, he was addressing the media. He was telling uh, the media and the paparazzi to leave her alone because it was, you know, affecting her so much. Yeah. And, yeah. Okay. And so it should really be us, the movement, you know, telling the world to leave Britney alone, telling her team to leave Britney alone. And so I know that wasn't your question, but I, I yeah. do, I do, I do want to say that we support that, that message, you know, mm -hmm. we're, you. we're, we're saying leave, leave Britney alone. And that <laughs> is what the goal of the movement is, is to end the conservatorship so that Britney Spears can live life on her own terms, um, whether or whether that means, you know, continuing to put out music or, you know, retiring and, you know, hiding from the world. Um, she should have a decision in that. Before we go today, Kevin and Leanne, where can people find you, uh, Free Britney LA? Uh, what's the website, the socials, anything like that? So you can find us um, on social media, on Twitter and Instagram at Free Britney LA. Um, we'll have you know updates about the court case as well as anything going on with um, Britney Spears in the news. If you would like more information about Britney's case and how you can get involved in the fight against conservatorship abuse in Britney's case and beyond, you can check out our website, freebritney.army. We've got all sorts of information on there about attending rallies, starting your own, um, and other ways that you can help the cause. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We hope that everyone will check out the documentary, which was so fascinating. And, you know, we look forward to seeing what the legal ramifications are in terms of the probate court system and conservatorships. And so thank you for putting this out there in the world and for speaking with us today. Oh, thank, thank you, you guys so for, much having, for us. having us. Obviously, there's a lot we don't know about what's going on with Britney Spears specifically, uh, you know, um, but 
at least we're finding out that, you know, maybe this could translate into some bigger structural changes and all of this. Um, yeah. Yeah. I can't decide if I love or hate that you need it to happen to a celebrity for it to happen, for change to happen for <laughs> mm-hmm. everyone. Right. I don't know. Right. Yeah. I don't know. That's, but that's almost always how it happens or it's some sort of flashpoint where it's like this crazy story that goes viral about a normal person, but people get so upset about, I mean, you, you know, um, not to go super dark, but like police have been killing black people for a mm. uh, hundred years, but for some reason, George Floyd ignited, a, uh, you know, reignited an ongoing movement and, and, you know, hopefully reform will happen from that moment That's onward. That's a really I mean, good point. It's like the power of social media and the right social climate. Yep. Um, yeah. So that's really interesting because yep. that's the opposite of Britney Spears. <laughs> cool. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, something else I thought was interesting, which uh, genuinely does not have to do with Kevin or Leanne, but what I think is kind of amusing is so much of the, or a lot of the free Britney movement is people like dissecting her Instagram and being like, she posted this and that means that. But then when she post something they don't like it's like oh we don't know who's managing her social (laughs) so i don't know um yeah it's interesting i think the court document stuff is really fascinating because that's pretty hard evidence like they didn't mention this but in the documentary at some point she refers to them as you know she says she would like to thank her many informed fans which i do think is like a pretty Mm. strong nod to the fact that the fans have been doing their research and are maybe onto something, um, mm-hmm. you know, we, and, and of course, like so, so many celebrities don't manage their social media, but yeah, it's really tough to tell what's actually going on, but definitely fascinating, yeah. especially in the context of two girls, one podcast, like how the internet has allowed this to coalesce. Mm-hmm. Have you spent any time on, on her Instagram, Allie? Yeah, I have actually. What's funny is like two years ago, some of my gay guy friends were like, you have to check out Britney's Instagram. It's like kind of insane. <laughs> well, it's it interesting. Like, yeah. For somebody who is who has been so protected, like it really does feel like I, I think the whole premise of the other uh, podcast they mentioned, Britney's Graham, that had played such a big role in all of this, is they said something like, it feels like you're like reading an old high school friend's captions. Like it is really just sort of like vulnerable and <laughs> it's her, you know, trying out a new dance routine she did or sharing, you know, how she feels about anything really. But, uh, it, it's also somewhat cryptic in the way the captions are written sometimes where you're just not sure what she's saying. So, well, there was also that video yeah. where she's like, hey, I'm here in my gym. I haven't been here in a while because I accidentally burned it down. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Like we were just picking back up the conversation that we never knew <laughs> we were part of before. Yeah. Yeah. It's, well, it's, I, 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 it's making me kind of say shout out to actual journalism and also taking uh taking some advice from kevin leanne here of like this is a serious social and legal issue let's focus on this as a real problem and if you're part of the movement and you're decrypting secret coded messages from the instagram account then like the mainstream is going to laugh at you and dismiss you as a conspiracy theorist so you're not helping if you're going down the crazy rabbit holes but you will help if you 
bring attention to a serious issue that eventually gets covered by the New York Times. And again, I didn't see the doc yet, but mm-hmm. I assume the doc focuses on here are here is factual yeah. information about a serious issue that affects a public figure. Yeah. And the doc is not talking about Britney's Graham. You know what I mean? Right. right you're right, not right. helping if you're talking about Britney's Graham. And I'm sure right. that yeah. podcast is great, but it that's yeah. those yeah, are two podcast, distinct things. Yeah. And the podcast admits that it like sort of started out as a joke dissecting her Instagram, but then mm-hmm. they got this kind of bombshell voicemail where you know right. a paralegal is saying that they're on to something so yeah, yeah it's it's interesting yeah I, I actually was prepared to not really like the documentary and i did i thought it was yeah. really interesting the whole <laughs> framing of it yeah don't lament that new york times is covering the britney case because a it's a it's a as we established, it, it is has important legal ramifications, but also like the Times contains multitudes and covers culture and covers music and covers fandom. What I like, it's news. It is yeah, newsworthy. And I mean, for better or worse, it's probably some of the pop culture stuff that helps pay for the other stuff mm. <laughs> that's less you, incendiary. It, you yeah. hit it right on the head. That's exactly correct. Yeah. Well, we always do want to hear what you think. So please tweet at us. I'm at June Bugger, J O N B U G G E R. I'm at Ali Gold, A-L-L-I-G-O-L-D. Email us at 2G1podcast at gmail.com. You can also text us or leave us a voicemail, the best thing in the world. That phone number is 347-871-6548. That number again, 347-871-6LIT. And join our Discord server, as Ali mentioned at the top of today's show, discord.gg slash 2G1P, where Matt posts pictures of himself in different Britney outfits from throughout the years. Um, but seriously, it is a place where listeners of the show congregate and can submit questions for upcoming shows and ideas for upcoming shows. We'd love to see you there. Discord.gg slash 2G1P. Allie, if they would like to contribute to our Patreon and have a song sung about them on the air, perhaps, how do they do that? <laughs> I feel like that song didn't really entice anyone, but it's patreon.com slash 2G1P. But in all ser- in all seriousness, please do visit patreon.com slash 2G1P. Uh, this show is not exactly a moneymaker, but we do it because we love it. And we could do it more and better and eat if you would visit patreon.com slash 2G1P. No amount is too small. All right, friends and fans, we'll see you next time. Two Girls, One Podcast is hosted by Allison Goldberg and Jennifer Jamula, then auto-tuned and burned onto 1,000 CDRs. I mean produced and edited by Matt Silverman in New York City. Additional editing by Phoenix Williams. Production assistance is provided by the Podglomerate. This show is a production of The Daily Doc, the number one source for in-depth reporting about life on the internet. The Podglomerate. A Sonic Universe. Photos of Gary Busey.